We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ah, yeah, good to see you. Or hear you. Or I guess you're hearing me. Right? Welcome to Insight. I'm Chris Van Vliet. If you happen to be new here, I'm an Emmy Award-winning TV host, and I'm fascinated with finding out how people are wired to achieve greatness. It doesn't happen by accident. On each episode of the show, we have in-depth conversations, and we reverse-engineer the habits and techniques of the world's top athletes, actors, entrepreneurs, you name it. If they're the best at what they do, I want to get their insights so we can apply it to our own life. And today, we've got a combo. We've got an athlete turned entrepreneur. And he just so happens to be part of one of the most legendary football families in the history of the NFL. I'm talking about the Gronkowskis. Four out of the five Gronkowski brothers played or are currently playing in the NFL. Oh, and the brother who didn't play in the NFL, he played pro baseball. So, so yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with Rob Gronkowski from his time with the Patriots or his recent Super Bowl win with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Well, picture that energy and that enthusiasm that Rob has times five, yet five Gronkowski brothers. And if you're a fan of Shark Tank, you may remember seeing all of the brothers on there supporting Chris and his business Ice Shaker, which is the world's first insulated protein shaker cup. I have one. It is badass. Next level. Take a screenshot, tag us both on social media. Chris is at Chris Gronkowski. His company, Ice Shaker, is at Ice Shaker. And I am at Chris Van Vliet. And take a second right now to hit subscribe on the show so you don't miss out on any future conversations like this one. Thank you, by the way, for the flood of reviews that we got last week. The show is currently one of the top 10 wrestling podcasts in the world. And it's all because of you. I can't overstate enough 
how much I appreciate you and how much I appreciate you taking the time to leave a review if you do happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts. They're the only platform that does reviews. So that's why we read the Apple Podcast reviews. It's not that I like Apple more than Android. It's not that I like Apple Podcasts more than Spotify or Stitcher or Google Podcasts or Podbean or anywhere else that you happen to be listening. They're the only one that that do reviews. So that's it. This one's from Botch TV, who says, CVV is the way. CVV asks the questions that no one thinks about. I started watching him on YouTube, and I can say that I'd love to be interviewed by him more than anybody. CVV asks the deep questions and gets into the lives of the interviewees. Definitely worth listening to. There's something out there for everybody with CVV. He's great. Well, you are great, Botch TV. Thank you so much. Thank you for helping us get one review closer to that goal of 2,000 reviews. I'll keep reading one out on every single episode till we get to that 2,000 review goal or May 19th, my birthday. We'll see which one comes first. My guest today is the CEO and founder of Ice Shaker, also played in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Denver Broncos. Please welcome Chris Gronkowski. Well, I don't know if I've met a Chris that I haven't liked, so it's uh, great to have Chris Gronkowski on the show. Thanks so much, man. Hey, that's, that's, that's a good name, man. It's, it's the best name. I mean, I might be biased, but I think it's the best name. I agree. I, I don't think I've met a, a bad Chris myself either, man. So I, That's right. I agree. I like that. I love all the jerseys you have behind you. Are you also wearing a jersey as well? Oh, man. So this is the, yeah, it's it's the Cardillo um, weight belt. So I, I see your belt in the background, but... um. Yeah, the Our championship belts. Yeah, we have uh, weight belts, and he makes a bunch of custom belts for us. And he sent me like the hockey jersey too, because he makes these crazy videos where um, he's like skating on ice. He's working out on a like on his dock, and, and then the ice freezes over. We went up there, we 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 knocked some holes in the ice, and we took ice baths in the lake. So he's crazy, man. But he sent me the hoodie as well to stay warm, because uh, it's crazy here in Texas right now. I don't know. You say that he's crazy. I think between you and your brothers, and by the way, there's five of you guys, for those people who don't know, you guys are pretty crazy, I feel like. Yeah, man. We, we definitely uh, have had some good times, that's for sure. <laughs> and you're the middle brother, right? Middle of five. Yeah, man. So um, oldest brother, Gordy, played baseball. He's too scared to play football. And then after that, uh, the other four brothers all at some point played in the NFL. So your poor mom. Your poor mom. I'm still trying to figure out how she did it, man. Um, I now have three boys. I'm like, man, three is a lot. And uh, five is a, it's a full-time job is what it ended up being, especially when you're playing sports. And she fed us every meal from breakfast. She packed our lunch. She just fed us dinner. We were not able to go out to eat because we were just, we were out of control. She couldn't control us at dinner. So she had to cook every meal for us as well. At what age do you feel like you and your brother started to get out of control? Uh, man, probably like as soon as we could walk. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know my mom just would tell me stories about how I would throw the dresser over. So like I would, I'd get mad. She put us, she put me in the room for timeout or whatever it was. And I pushed the dresser, fall over, block the door. They couldn't open the door up. And that was probably when I was like three or four years old. So, um, yes, it was pretty crazy since, uh, since way back when, man, way back in the day. So between, you know, you and your four brothers, and then you have three sons now, are the Gronkowski's not able to make women? 
<laughs> so we thought for a minute it wasn't possible. My older brother Dan has two boys, and then his third was a girl. So uh, <laughs> it's possible. It's just very unlikely. It's just crazy to look at like what you've accomplished, both you know in football and outside of football, and what everything you know all your brothers have accomplished. Uh, it's just are you guys, were you guys just freak athletes from like a young age? Oh man, uh, we're definitely good. Um, you know, we were definitely, you know, usually better, one of the best players on the team. Uh, I think a lot of it came just natural competition between the brothers and competing against, you know, your older brother, but also their friends as well. And that brought out a lot of competition in us. We were always playing sports. My mom didn't let us watch TV. It was all about, hey, get outside, get that energy out. Uh, and that just built, um, I, I think, good athletes. I think in high school, what happened too was my dad realized there was opportunities there and he got us a speed coach. And I think that really took us to another level because you could be strong, but uh, to really have control of your body and, and have speed is, is the number one asset that you can have to get to that next level. Um, so without that, I would have never got a scholarship. Um, you know, I would have been one of those guys that just wasn't fast enough in the 40. Uh, so that I think really helped us. It really helped me get to that next level. And at that age, you can really improve a lot if you have the right coach. And I think that was a huge play for us as well. So I think that helped. I love what you've been doing on Instagram where you're answering like these questions that people send in. And you actually, you were talking about your 40 uh, speed and you were saying that it was like, it was a five, then you got a speed coach and you got down, you were undrafted, you were like four, seven. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was, I was probably- oh, Sorry, the combine. Yeah, that, that's a huge difference. Yeah, and it takes you from being- uh, you know, a guy that won't get a D1 scholarship to all of a sudden you're this, you're this prospect. And so that was, that was big. I mean, if I ran a 5.0 um, at some of these combines in high school, I would have never even got looked at. Uh, but the fact that I was able to get down to about a 4.8, low 4.8 in high school, uh, it gave me that scholarship offer. It gave me that opportunity. And then after that, you know, through college and stuff, I just got faster and faster as well. I would think this all begins with your father being a great athlete. So what are your dad's sports? Uh, so he played he played college football. Uh, he played baseball in in high school as well, and then college football. And he was a lineman, so he was a big guy. He was about uh, you know back then he was uh, you know six three two seventy five, which was big for a lineman uh, you know back in the day. So he played at Syracuse. Uh, he went on to play like as a scab player in the NFL, and you know he had the the contract on his wall from the Bills where he signed for like two days with the Buffalo Bills, and it was cool to see. But you know he started having kids early. Um, you know my older brother. Gordy had when he was 21 years old. So he moved on pretty quickly from sports because of injuries and, uh, and kids. So what, what was, what was the first sport that you played like at a, at a good level? Oh man. So we all, we all grew up playing hockey. Hockey was big. And yeah. Then, I am from Canada. I'm with you. So that was huge. Everyone played hockey and, um, and baseball. So those were our two main sports growing up. And we started with T-ball and, and maybe hockey at the same time. And just loved hockey though, because you know, it taught you how to hit. And we were so aggressive as kids. Like, that's all we cared about was, you know, we got to get to whatever it was, peewee or whatever level it was where you could first start hitting. Like, that was like the best day of our lives growing up. <laughs> I, I can only imagine what it was like with four brothers just hitting each other all the time. Yeah, yeah. We finally got to hit other people. So it was pretty cool. So when did you get into football? So football didn't start until high school. Uh, huh. My dad, uh, he, and, and it really, it didn't start until my second oldest brother, Dan. Uh, the oldest brother never played football, uh, had no interest in it. My dad wasn't like, we weren't this football family. And my dad wasn't like forcing us to play football or anything. 
it all came about because my my second oldest brother, um, Dan, was like this absolute monster in high school. He was like 6'6", 235, and naturally everyone's like, yeah, you're, you're playing football, man. Uh, and he ended up being the starting quarterback, and it was just the coolest thing ever for me to see. And I'm like, man, I, I got to be cool like my bro. So that's why I started playing. It was just a domino effect after that, but none of it came about until high school. So if you're the, you know, you're the middle brother, you're the third brother, whose footsteps do you feel like you need to follow in? Is it Gordy or is it Dan? So I was, I was following Dan. I mean, it was kind of, you always kind of did what your, your one older brother did. Uh, you know, so that's, that's where uh, I, I was following Dan for sure. So that means Rob's following you. Rob's following me and, and Glenn, the youngest was following Rob. So yeah, just, just this chain after that. At what point did you realize that Rob was like, you know, next level of an athlete? And it was, um, well, it, the second he got into high school, he was taller than me. So I was like, man, that's getting kind of crazy now. But um, yeah, at first, like it, he, he didn't have body. He grew so fast. Like you, when you grow that fast, you don't really have the ability to, um, you know, the agility and, and the ability to control your body because you're so lengthy, man. Like, so right. he was the place and like, man, this kid's good, but he kind of looks goofy. Um, and then he kind of just grew into his body. And at that point, you're like, man, it's pretty impressive to watch. So uh, by my, let's see, he was playing with me uh, my junior year. He was on he was on varsity with me. So uh, already early on, he was he was doing well. He got moved up halfway through the year and uh, you just started seeing him take over. So sophomore year by sophomore year, um, his sophomore year, my senior year, he's just, you know, catching passes. He's kind of the feature on the team. I think the one game uh, he beat one of the best teams by himself. Uh, <laughs> He had like a long bomb catch down the sideline and then he had interception that he took to the house. And I think he scored all the points in that game. And at that point, you're like, man, uh, you know, this kid's definitely going to get some scholarship offers. But, you know, at that point, you have no idea, um, you know, how good he, he really was. And as he got into his senior year and, and started becoming one of the best players in the nation, that's when you're like, all right, this guy, he's got a, he's got a good chance to go to that next level and then take it even further after that. And he was a receiver up till that point? I was playing tight end, but um, oh, he was flex him out as a receiver as well, and uh, he would he would run run routes as well on the outside. I mean, you may be biased because he's your brother, but do you think that Rob is the greatest tight end of all time? Uh, man, I think so. Uh, if you're judging by a true tight end, and um, you know what a, a tight end is actually supposed to do between the blocking and and the receiving aspect, I mean, he's absolutely dominant in both. So uh, there's going to be guys that beat his numbers receiving wise, but I don't think you're going to see someone that could also line up against a guy like Chase Young, the, the one of the best uh, pass rushers in the entire league, and go one on one with him on the backside of a 43 year old quarterback and, and trust him to block him. So, uh, you know, you see something like that, and you're like, man, that's absolutely incredible. So, um, you don't you don't even trust the tight end one on one ever with with a, a guy like that, and to see him do it multiple times in a playoff game was amazing to see. I, th I saw that you were at the Super Bowl recently, which is, you know, it's a, that's a good time of the year for the Gronkowskis. How many, how many Lombardi trophies are there in your family? Is it six? And so uh, Rob has four rings and then Glenn was on practice squad with um, New England for a ring as well. So there's five, five total five. rings. You don't get to take the trophies. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's no trophies involved, but he does have a couple um, just, uh, fake ones uh replicates and and i use them in some of my videos so you might have seen i know them. i saw you curling them and i'm like what and this actually goes back to what you were just saying I'm like i don't think they give you the trophy so where did you get this thing from 
Yes, you have an option to um, you could buy them, and the ones he bought, they're expensive, but um, they look exactly like them, and they're the same in everything. But uh, no one buys them, so you never see them anywhere else. When I posted those videos, everyone just went crazy because you don't ever even see the the fake ones because uh, they're really expensive as well to buy. So Rob bought a couple of them and I was using them working out and uh, that's cool to see. But the actual legit, the real trophies, um, yeah, players don't get any. Uh, you know, you get it passed around at the parade and stuff like that, but you're not taking them home or anything like that. It's not like the Stanley Cup. Yeah, they don't pass it around for the next couple months or anything like that. Like I, I think the only time you really see it is at that parade and that's pretty much it. Like when you go to Thanksgiving dinner, are they like all wearing their rings? Man, no, I never see them. Um, I had to ask my brother Glenn to break his out so I could see it in person because uh, I, I almost never see them. Uh, my dad will will do some stuff where you know they'll ask him to bring it to charity events and stuff like that. But um, that's really the only time I see it. I've actually never seen my brothers wear the ring um, for anything else. You answered an interesting question on Instagram. Someone asked if you need to actually buy the ring and your answer was like, it was surprising, I think. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, I don't know why, but people think NFL players just like get away with everything. They don't pay taxes. Um, they, they think like it's crazy because you actually pay more tax than anybody. Uh, you also pay tax in every state that you play in as well. Uh, and they call it a jock tax. So um, for some reason, people don't think Tom Brady pays taxes or whatever it is, but they also don't think you have to pay tax on gifts. And, and that's exactly what a ring is. It's valued at between 30 and $40,000. And it, it basically that becomes income to you. So um, you have to pay the tax on it as if it was a, an actual uh, income source. So it's the same thing with, with sponsorships as well. So if you have a Nike sponsorship uh, and they give you $20,000 in free product, uh, you know, when you go and you get a pair of shoes, you pay tax on those shoes um, as income. So if you get $10,000 of free shoes, you're paying taxes if you got $10,000 in tax or in cash. So uh, yeah, people, people were shocked about that. So this jock tax applies even if you live in Florida or Texas or one of those you know states that don't have income tax. So if you, if you play in Florida, in Texas, it's almost like a, it's almost like a bonus for you, right? Uh, because you sure. don't state because they don't have state income tax, but as a Cowboys player, uh, if I went to say Indy and I played at Indy, I had to pay tax in Indy. So it was almost like a, you know, like a six percent pay cut for me that week. Right now, so your first team was the Cowboys, and that's—I mean—that's a pretty great team to start off with. But if we take it back a little bit, when you went into the draft, you you went undrafted. Were you expecting to get drafted when you were, you know, eligible that year? Uh, so wasn't necessarily expecting. I knew there was a small chance, but as a fullback in the position I was in, there was maybe one or two guys that would get drafted, and. Um, yeah, I was hoping I would be one of them, but at the end of the day, it almost being better that I didn't because uh, what people don't realize as well is you don't pick where you go. Um, and a lot of times that hurts, uh, especially late in the draft. If you go to a team that doesn't necessarily need you or want you, but they're taking you because you're the best player left, mm -hmm. uh, you get put in a position where, um, you know, you're just, you're probably not going to start. Um, you know, they're planning to to maybe work you in down the road, but it's never a really good spot for you where, uh, you know, I went undrafted and instead of going in the seventh round, I was able to pick where I went and um, my agent did a great job. He found a great opportunity for me and he pretty much knew that there was a great chance that I would make the team if I went to the Cowboys and and that's how it worked out. So your agent lined this up with the Cowboys and basically said, you've got to take a look at Chris. And then you went in for a tryout basically? 
Uh, so they signed me as a, an undrafted free agent. They, they call okay. it as a preferred undrafted free agent where, um, you know, I got the big signing bonus of 10 grand, uh, where, <laughs> whereas if, um, they will do like three day tryouts and stuff like that as well, where, uh, you know, they'll bring a guy in for a three day mini camp and they give him nothing. He comes in, uh, you know, he pretty much has no shot of making it at all. Uh, and then after three days he's gone. Whereas, you know, they bring me in as a preferred, um, they'd house me the whole summer. Uh, I'd do the whole off season training program. I'd go into camp. I was almost, you know, I was already guaranteed a spot into camp. And, and then after all that, um, you know, they, they still would cut um, almost all the players, but you got a lot better chance of at least making a practice squad. Uh, if you were a preferred undrafted free agent. I feel like you must have so much more to prove both to the team and to yourself when you go undrafted. Oh, absolutely, man. It, it's, it, it's a one shot kind of one opportunity thing. And, um, you have to look at it that way. So when, when I went in, it was, it, it was one and done and I did everything I possibly could to, to be ready for that one opportunity, because if you didn't perform, you're never going to get another chance again. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to prove. There's a lot to prove too, when you're the only one in your family that doesn't get drafted. <laughs> so, uh, if you want like a mentality, if you need a mindset where like, Hey, there's no other opportunity to, but to be successful, like I cannot fail. That was what I was in. Like, I wasn't going to be the one person in my family where everyone was like, Hey, yo, bro, uh, yo, your whole family played in the NFL. What happened to you? And, uh, you know, so that was my mindset going in. So it just, it elevated me to, to such a higher level that I would have never got to, uh, if it wasn't for my brothers all also playing and, and getting drafted. So what's the mindset when you're going into like number one, the draft, and then what followed after the draft, what's the mindset there? Uh, mindset for me was just, I just wanted an opportunity to play. Uh, that was it. I, I, I didn't really care where I went. Um, I was hoping it would be a good team, but it, it didn't really matter to me. Um, so it was really just, I hope someone wants me at this point. And then once I got there, it was, I, I have to prove myself now and, you know, head down doing everything I possibly could to, to be the best player that I, I could be. So, man, that was by far the best shape I've ever been in. And, uh, the most ready I've ever been uh, in my life to go into any type of situation. Well, not only did you get a good team, you got a good quarterback as well. I mean, you got to play under Tony Romo. Your first NFL touchdown pass was thrown to you from Tony Romo. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, amazing. I went into this team that was just stacked, man. Like you walked in that locker room and you knew every player in there. And it was also a, a car show. <laughs> this is, it was, a, it was a Dallas car show is what I called it, man. I rolled up in my, uh, like I bought a used car and I rolled up <laughs> the parking lot and every car in there was over a hundred thousand dollars. And then the next day, every car was different, but it was over a hundred thousand dollars still. So every, oh. they were just whipping new cars every day in man. And like every car was decked out. I'm like, man, this is, this is crazy. But everyone was paid there. Everyone was a big name. Like we, we just had an all-star lineup going in there. So it, it was crazy to be in that locker room as a, especially as an undrafted free agent. Who had the most impressive car collection? Uh, man, uh, Marion Barber had a pretty good one. He had, he had have a new car pretty much every day. Uh, some of the linemen had like <laughs> trucks, man. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my but head. But you're living in Texas. It makes sense. Oh, I'm talking like, I'm talking like a, like a, <laughs> a full, a full size truck, like a, I don't even know how you explain what they are or, or what brand it was, but uh, like that Ford F650, like something big like that. A tractor trailer like oh I'm, my gosh like, that's what they'd be rocking man like decked out um you know without the without the backing on it but those things like i guess without the back on it without the trailer on it they whip and 
they'd have like the big horn on it too. And I would walk up <laughs> practice and they'd pull it and just scare the hell out of everybody, man. So it was crazy. Like I've never seen cars like these in my life. Did you know when you caught that touchdown pass that that play was designed for you or was just, you just happened to be open? No, it was definitely designed. Um, you know, there was two options on it, but I was the first read on the play. So, um, and you're wide open. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they never threw to the fullback previously. Uh, the, the fullback that was there before me for three years, uh, they never threw the ball to him. So, uh, was, had a pretty good idea that I'd be wide open because you just didn't see that play happen ever in the last three years. So the defense wasn't ready for it. So is that the standard Gronkowski celebration? It's the big Gronk spike. I started it, man. I was the first one to do it. So, um, yeah, I mean, were you doing it before that? Yeah. Uh, so you weren't allowed to do it in college at, at all. So there's no celebrations allowed, but we do it in the backyard growing up and, uh, man, it was kind of just like you have so much built up and you finally get to that moment and, uh, you just, man, I was so pumped. You had to just throw it down as hard as I possibly could. And, I, I, I'm telling you, man, I started the Gronk spike. That's how it happened. <laughs> Next week, Bob scored, and um, all of a sudden, it became his trademark move as well. But you're like, it's all thanks to me. Yeah, I let him know. I, I actually did a TikTok about that one, too, and it blew up. And people were like, stop trying to take credit for it. I'm like, man, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling yeah. the facts over here. Do all five of you have the nickname Gronk? No. So uh, it really was uh, my older brother Dan's nickname is who probably would have started it. My dad claims that people called him that back in the day, but you know, we never really heard it uh, uh, up until uh, people started calling Dan it. But you know, Rob kind of adopted that name uh, once he blew up in New England. Now, so, you know, you're the, you're the middle brother, but Rob has like, I feel like surpassed all of you guys in terms of his accolades. Is it strange to be living in the shadow of your younger brother? Nah, I mean, it's pretty freaking sweet, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, people are like, man, that must suck. I'm like, it's the greatest thing ever. I get to all the benefits without having to get my ass whooped every day and uh, <laughs> go through all that. So, uh, no, it's been, I mean, there's a ton of benefits. You know, we grew up just pretty much like enemies, right? We fought every day. Like, that's all the brothers were. And then as we got older, it all just became about helping each other out and helping each other get to that next level. So, mm. We support each other a lot and um you know it's just it's amazing to see man and plus once you go through it and you you know how hard it is and you put that work and you grind through it and you know you see someone else doing that now it's just respect at this point because man it's uh like that's that's a lot of work it's every day is an absolute grind it's it's not a you know a game like people think it is it's a job and yeah it's a very stressful job that is very um you know it, it's there's a lot of injury with it as well. And it, it takes a lot of hard work, man. So to see him continuously do it for over 10 years, I, I see guys and I was in for four years. I'm like, man, I couldn't even imagine five or six. Uh, and to get to 10 is just, it's amazing to see. Did you actually think Rob would stay retired after last season? Man, I, I did just because I know when I stopped playing, um, it's a huge relief, man. It's, it's at least for me as a guy that was a bubble player, uh, it was, the most stressful situation you could be put in. Uh, you know, every day I could be cut, I could be on the streets and no longer be getting paid. Um, every play, you know, it, it, it could be your last play. So uh, for me, it was super stressful. I used to grind my teeth every night. I had to wear a mouth guard when I went to bed. I didn't sleep. Um, if you were late to practice by one minute, it was a thousand dollar fine or you get cut. So uh, it was just, it, it's a crazy job um, at the end of the day. So 
once I left that and I finally actually slept in for the first time in, in four years, it was like, wow, man, it's kind of nice. And you do miss it at first. And, you know, you, you want to go back and play, but at the end of the day, man, it, once you step away, it's very, very hard to get back into that mindset and get back into that, that whole entire routine. So, um, he was, he was living pretty good, man, without it. And, um, had a lot of good gigs go, and, and going on and, you know, the money was still rolling in. So, uh, it wasn't like he went back for money issues or anything like that. He just went back because that fire was still burning. But I, I, for me, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, he was still pretty beat up and, uh, everything just had to click and, and the right things had to happen at the right time. I mean, I'm a big wrestling fan. So when I saw him as the WWE 24 seven champion, I'm like, that's it. He's done with football. And then like a week later, it's like, no, no, he just signed with the Buccaneers. I'm like, oh, but he's the champion here. They're gonna have to figure something out. <laughs> Our truth had to figure that out for that's him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I, he still has a WWE contract, doesn't he? Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's something where, um, he'll never be like the officially on the circuit or anything like that, but I think he'll continue even after he's done playing football to, um, you'll go and do like special shows and stuff like that, kind of like he was doing. So uh, win that championship back. Yeah. Win it back and, and come, come out for a couple more pay-per-views and stuff like that. But, um, uh, I think it'll be a great gig and it'll be a lot of fun to see. And, um, they'll work him in a lot more, but he'll never be like the uh, officially on the road or anything like that, man. That life is, it's tough. I mean, that's, that's harder yeah. than being an NFL player. I think as we record this right now, bad bunny is the 24 seven champion. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, our truth was we were actually, he was at the super bowl and uh, Doug Flutie won it for a minute in the middle of a <laughs> black football game, man. So that was, that was fun to see, but man, so Doug took him down. He got the belt. Our truth came back, got it back from him. And, uh, the belt when he when he pulled it from him it smacked him in the face and uh the buckle caught his his nose all the way down his lip man so so doug flutie was just bleeding everywhere man so wrestling's real man it's it's not it's not fake like people think <laughs> so it was all bloody and it was it was crazy man so how surprised were you or maybe not surprised when when rob was like you know what i'm gonna play one more or i'm gonna play another season and i'll play with tom brady man i was i mean pretty surprised. Um, he didn't really tell us because he also wasn't sure if he was going to pass physical or not. So, mm. uh, he wanted to make sure everything was actually happening. Uh, he had to get traded. Like all, all these things had to happen for him to come back. And then they, they'd had to want him. They had to give him the contract as well. Um, in Tampa and all that too. So, uh, he really didn't say anything to us until it came down to the wire. Oh, that's interesting. I, I, I know that he also almost got traded years ago to the, to the lions but then was just like, no, no, I'm retired. You can't trade me. Yeah. So that was before um, they won the last Super Bowl. So yeah, we get a lot of people saying like, Hey, Rob, you're such a trader and all this stuff. But uh, you know, to me, they traded him the year before they won the Super Bowl. And um, you know, for him to get out of that trade, he said, I'm, I'm not going to the Lions. So if you trade me, I'm done. Right. Uh, so yeah. He, he declined the trade. Uh, never told anyone about it, but it was it was pretty crazy. Uh, we were all hanging out and, and just all of our phones were ringing because we were all working out. And all of a sudden, you know, I finally picked up my phone and it was his agent asking for him. And I'm like, oh, man, something's going down. But uh, yeah, he declined that. And at the end of the day, um, you know, he couldn't go back to New England last year um, as well because they didn't have cap space for him. So mm. 
if anyone wants to say he's a traitor, you know, we got we got a lot of a lot of reasons why he's not. So I know a lot of podcasters listen to the show. So if you have a podcast or you've always thought about starting a podcast, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle. It's a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everybody the opportunity to take your podcast to that next level. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art from one of our graphic designers, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasts, an e-learning course full of tips and tricks, and a ton of other stuff. On top of that, we'll also help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The different listening platforms. And the best part about this is you get it all for just 15 bucks a month, which is the same rate that you'd be paying at another hosting site just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or if you have an existing show that you want to just blow up, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your podcasting experience. But acceptance into the program is limited. So make sure to get your application in today. To apply, just go to bwhustle.com slash join. Also, check out the description box of this episode for more info. That's the links down there as well. It's bwhustle.com slash join. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, this isn't a crisis line. This isn't self-help. This is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with traditional therapy ever again. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com. 
betterhelp.com slash insight. That's betterhelp.com slash insight and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So the special offer for anybody listening to Insight right now is 10% off your first month. Just go to betterhelp.com slash insight. That's betterhelp.com slash insight. Rob was famously so good with his money. Were you the same? Did you have the same financial, you know, advisor, same financial outlook that he did? Uh, yeah, I think we all um, have been pretty good with our money, but um, it's just being raised by parents that make you earn everything that you have. Um, <laughs> pretty smart with your money. Uh, so that's just how we were raised. If we wanted something it, great, earn it. Um, and also our parents just taught us to save money. So uh, we all did a, a really good job with that. And uh, he's he's made so much off the field as well that he hasn't really had to tap into any of the money that he's made uh, through his salary. So, um, yeah, man, I've, I've been the same way. Uh, took my money, put it into a business with my wife. Um, she then helped me fund my business as well. And it's just been a, a good road for us as well. Yeah, so let's talk about that. So the first business is the engraving business, everything dedicated which is, you know, you're engraving different things. So like, what are the, what are you mostly engraving? Yeah. So it's, it's called everything decorated. Um, I mean, it started as just something that she was doing because, um, she wanted to find a way to work from home. It started with hand painting wine glasses cause she got one from her aunt and thought it was cool and just took off, but she couldn't scale it. So we had to find different ways to scale it. So it started with cups and, um, it turned into really wedding gifts for the most part. Um, mm anything from cutting boards, flasset, bridesmaid, groomsmen, gift boxes, uh, anything you could possibly think like robes, uh, the canners, uh, anything that you could customize for weddings became really big. And we started sourcing them and, um, you know, kind of just built this business that just grew organically. We, we figured out that there was a need for it. And if you turn the products around really fast, everyone talked about it. They just couldn't believe it because at that time in 2012, uh, you know, it took two to three weeks to, to get something customized and we were doing it same day and people would just flip out and be like, Hey, you forgot to customize it. And we write back like, no, it's, it's, it's customized and it's coming your way. It'll be there in two days. And they just couldn't believe it. They tell all their friends and, um, organically grew. So started with that, uh, use NFL money to really, uh, buy all the machinery. We had to buy commercial grade laser engravers and, and different cutters and stuff like that. So, uh, still have that business today. It, it's, um, you know, almost 10 years old now at this point, it's still growing. It does really well. And one of the biggest shops on, on Etsy, I think my wife has combined over like 60,000 five-star reviews now at this point. On wow. And then um, what's cool about it is that, you know, I did that for five years. It really wasn't my passion. I, I told no one what I was doing. <laughs> uh, my, my former players would be like, Hey, what do you do now, man? I'm like, ah, you know, I, I kind of just do my own thing now. And, um, Really just leave it at that. Yeah, like didn't use social. Like I did nothing to promote it. No one knew what I was doing. So, um, you know, I then went into something that I love and my passion, which was uh, health and fitness. And I found an opportunity to um, just jump all in with a shaker bottle. And so I did, man. And it's just been a, a fun road since then. Well, it's not just any shaker bottle. And I think that anybody who's watched Shark Tank knows exactly what ice shaker is all about. But did the engraving company in any way springboard into Ice Shaker? Yeah, for sure. So what ended up happening was 
she was getting a ton of these insulated cups coming in and um, everyone wanted them engraved. And I didn't even know what it was at the time, but I started using one. Uh, she engraved me one and um, she put my name on it and I would use it at work. And I'm like, damn, this thing's pretty sweet, especially in Texas where it's so hot. And um, the, the problem was I would then have to go home, grab a shaker bottle that wasn't insulated, uh, you know, fill it up with my pre-workout PCAs, whatever it was and go to the gym. And by the time I got there, the thing was sweating everywhere. It would be warm. I was making little sweat rings on the ground. I'm like, this is so stupid. Like there's got to be some kind of insulated bottle on the market that could also shake, um, you know, supplements up or protein powders, anything like that. But went home that day and there was just nothing out there. You know, there's a ton of other insulated bottles, but nothing would blend. Um, they had these little holes in them where you, you have to like use a funnel to fill it and super hard to clean. You had to use a special brush. So at, at that point, I'm like, man, this is like the simplest idea no one's done yet. And so I, I went on this journey to to make really the best cup that I could. And it wasn't just for the gym. It was like, hey, I want one cup that I could use all day, every day. Like, I don't want to just bring one to to work and then one to the gym and then use a different cup at home. Like, I just, I was simple, man. Like, I want one cup. I want one cup in the in the sink at the end of the day. And that's it. That, that was kind of the game plan uh, for it. So uh, I pretty much took an insulated cup and I put a shaker top on it. And uh, that, that was, that's how it started. It's a brilliant idea. And the, the pitch that you guys had on Shark Tank is legendary. So for anyone who hasn't seen this, not only did you start this pitch talking about the product, then your four brothers join you, then you played flip cup against the Sharks. <laughs> that was genius, man. So yeah, that was, um, that was my idea. And they wanted to like do a fitness like contest versus Sharks and stuff like that. But I was like, no, we got to We got to do something entertaining. This is an entertaining show. Um, we got to get the sharks up. Yeah, we're obviously going to win in any kind of push-up contest or exercise. So let's do something that's a little bit more exciting and a little more fun to watch. And that's where the idea for, for Flip Cup came into play. So uh, it took a while to get the producers to allow it because, you know, it's it's, it's ABC and they don't want to promote drinking. Uh, so I you're to, very clear. We're drinking water in these cups. Drinking water. And I had to really pitch it that, you know, after a football game, we'd get rehydrated by playing this game. <laughs> <laughs> walk me through the process of like the original pitch the original audition how long that took from filming that to when you actually were on the show oh so yeah so originally um you just have to do a submission video okay so send over like hey we want to see this like you have to explain the product what it does how many sales you currently have uh stuff like that so i, I did that um and then from that point there's a lot of work still and it's still you're probably about four to five months out um, when you first send that original video in. Uh, from there, they have to like it. And then um, it, there's a lot of following up, a lot of due diligence at that point to make sure there's nothing uh, like crim criminally on your, your record or anything like that. And going all the way back to our tax stuff, man, there was something from India on my record that said that um, I, I had, it, it was crazy. I e-filed it. They said they never got my e-file. And then they said I owed taxes in India. And then after two, two days on the phone, I got it cleared, but they never took it off my record. So I, it was all good from day one, but they just made a mistake on it. And so that was still on my paperwork. And they're like, you can't come on the show until you get it off. No so way. Another five days on the phone after that to get this cleared off my record. Uh, but they want to make sure that there's nothing on there that, you know, can hurt them or hurt the show. So there's a lot of work leading up to it, a lot of paperwork, stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, you just you just have to be ready. You know, you have to prepare as well. Um, they want you to be prepared as well, so that's a good show. 
So they don't want you to just go out there and, and look like an idiot, even though some people still do somehow. Uh, they want you to be prepared. They want it to be a good show as well. So they do a lot of work to, to make sure that it goes smooth. Do they tell you who the sharks are going to be? Uh, they, they, they will, but it's not until um, towards the end um, when they know, because we had a guest shark on with Alex Rodriguez, and I don't think they necessarily knew when he was going to be on as well. So uh, for the most part, they'll tell you um, the, the basics or, or the main couple, and then there'll be one or two that they might not know till the end. Well, you have the great distinction of being A-Rod's very first Shark Tank deal. Yep, that's right. A-Rod, well, you've got two great partners, A-Rod and you've got Mark Cuban. So like in the grand scheme of you running the business in the day-to-day, how frequently are you talking with them? Uh, so so Mark's, Mark has a team built out um, to help. So he's done a great job. He's, he probably has over 80 companies at this point. Uh, so he created uh, uh, Mark Cuban companies. And within that, I think there's about 10 employees that I can reach out to and ask for help um, at any time. So his advisor that's set up with iShaker, I talk to every week, at least once uh, for the most part. And it, it's great because if I need help with anything, I can reach out to him. And it's an unbiased opinion. Uh, he could connect me with a bunch of other companies that they work with or have talked to. And I can get an opinion from them as well. Or I could just collab with these other companies too. So uh, it's been a great relationship there. But uh, talking to, to Mark individually, I mean, I only will reach out to him for big things. If there's something really big or I really need help with a, a huge decision, uh, then I'll reach out to him. And he's actually super responsive and usually hits me back within like 10 minutes. Wow. Crazy. But uh, it'll just be something quick. Like, yeah, go ahead with it, man. I think that's a good idea. Or, you know, just like, no, you should probably research that more or, or this is why you shouldn't do it. So uh, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been great. Um, Alex has been, Alex was really good with promo. He didn't have a team built out because um, you know, it's his first time doing it. And uh, just, it, it obviously he did, obviously didn't need the team for, for one, one company at that point. But uh, when Rob retired, Rob actually asked him if he could uh, buy him out of the company because Rob was like, I want to get into business. I've helped you build this thing. Is there any way I could get in? So he reached out to Alex and he actually bought Alex out of the company. Oh, wow. So I think the biggest thing people don't realize about Shark Tank is you see the pitch on TV. It's eight, 10, 12 minutes long. But I think the shortest pitch in Shark Tank history is like 45 minutes or something. So how long was your pitch? Like the whole thing? It was probably around an hour, I would think. Yeah. Um, hard to tell because you're in the moment and you don't realize how how fast time's going by. But yeah, they know everything, man. They and they don't. They only show the good parts, which is you know half of it was flip cup. <laughs> <laughs> but the the pitch, I mean, by the end of it, they knew everything about me. Uh, you know, they knew about you know high school, my grades, why I went to college, where I went, why I transferred, all that kind of stuff. And uh, they wanted to know about the wife's business and. It, how that was doing, how it started, how we, how we grew it, stuff like that. So at the end of the pitch, um, you know, at the very end of it, it was probably, it was probably over an hour and, um, there's even offers and stuff in there that weren't shown on TV too. So, oh, um, interesting. Another stuff as well. And they just added it down to the best stuff, man. That's going to be the most entertaining. So, uh, yeah, at the end of the day though, man, it's, it's, this is a real deal. Like it's, it ain't like I walked in there and they were like, oh, this is the, one of the Gronkowski brothers. Let's offer him. They were like, now let's, let's figure out what this dude is really about. And, um, we're going to find out if he could actually do something here or not. And yeah, and that's how it really is. So they're not just throwing money at people. Um, you know, just thinking maybe they're going to be all right. Like they're really drilling down and making sure that you're in it for the right reasons and, and that they're going to be successful with your company. How much did going on shark tank change your business? 
Oh uh, man, it, it probably jumped us ahead like three or four years, I would think. Wow. Um, it just proof of concept for a, a new business is huge uh, and exposure. And, and that's what you got from the show. You know, to go on there, get offers from all five sharks was like the best proof of concept you could possibly have. And everyone watching is like, oh, if all five of them offered, I got to buy one, right? So yeah. that was huge. And then the exposure, I mean, I think we reached 5 million people, um, you know, when the show was theirs. And that's, that's massive. Um, and then that also turns into funding, you know, and that's all, uh, it, it's all free of advertising too. Uh, you know, I'm not paying for advertising. So it's very high margin uh, sales at that point that come in that allowed us to take it from one bottle, one size to immediately expand it into more colors, more sizes and, um, and grow the business immediately. So we, we had about first six months, we had about $80,000 in sales. And, um, you know, after that, so the next 12 months, we were over 3 million in sales. So we took it from really from a side hustle uh, storing the product in this room, shipping it out of, out of here, man, um, to a full-time business overnight. So it, it was a real deal. And it's, it's, it was this massive wave, man. And it, and it lasts more than just the day now because of stuff like Hulu and recordings and stuff like that. And, um, really it was kind of like this month, but that month, because it was October fed right into the holidays, which then fed right into, um, you know, new year's resolutions as well. So sure wave that hit. And then after that, it was kind of like, man, I got to really figure out how to keep this going. And that's when the the real work starts. And when you really figure out how to run a business. What do you think is one of the biggest things that Mark Cuban taught you about business that has now really helped your business grow? Uh, man, I would probably just say uh, bringing more people on and when to bring them on. Hmm. I think that was a, a huge step as well. Um, I just... I'm so competitive, man. And it's your baby. And I think everyone's into this where you just can't give up that control. And once it gets to a certain level, you have to, or you're not going to grow. You know, you, you can't scale it. You can't get better when you're, you're doing everything and <laughs> there's only so much time in a day. So, uh, that was huge. Uh, pushing some of that responsibility off and bringing on more people is, is massive for any company to grow. And you don't realize how much you're hurting your own business until you finally let go of some of it. So when you went on the show, you were asking for 10% for $100,000, right? So valuing the company at that time at a million dollars. So here we are a few years later. What would you value the company at now? Oh, man, man, I don't, I'm not sure. Um, It's, I mean, it's worth way more than that. I know that. (laughs) So it it all depends on how you're, how you do valuations and different models. Um, I did it based on what I thought our sales would end at after being on shark tank for the year. And then I gave it at that time, um, like a five, a five X multiplier off of, off of, um, off of profit. So, uh, yeah, man, we, we'd be up there now. I mean, we're, we've done well, um, after that first year we've grown, um, every single year since then. And amazing. I have a really good year this year as well. Um, the pandemic at first hurt, but it almost, we almost became a necessity. Uh, now that people need a water bottle, everywhere they go at work, at school, um, at youth sports, stuff like that. So we're continuing to grow. Uh, we have a really good game plan for this year. And, um, I think it's going to just keep, keep snowballing, man. It's, it's been fun to watch. Oh, it's been amazing as a shark tank fan. It's been amazing to watch your company continue to grow and scale. And I've been on your website many times. I'm actually really curious. What is the best selling ice shaker that you have? Uh, still the original, man. It's the, the okay. 20- shaker bottle and that's kind of just that go-to size 
So at one point, there was a few Gronkowskis playing in the league at the same time between your kids and all of your nephews. Is this going to happen again 15, 20 years from now? Yeah, I, I think so. It might. Um, it'll be really interesting, too, once all the other brothers start having kids as well. Uh, so it's just right now, it's just my brother Dan and I that have kids. So I have three boys. He has two. And um, yeah, I think we'll start seeing it hit, man. I, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. I, I know Dan's kids are are really big into hockey as well right now. Uh, but we were as kids too. So we'll, we'll see how that changes or if it does change or, or what path they go down. But uh, yeah, man, my, mine are too young to, to really know right now. But uh, if they want to play, they're going to play. And I'll be excited to watch them. Are they, you know, are your boys doing anything? Are they, you know, throwing a, a, a ball around or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we have them signed up for baseball and there you go. Fighting, man. I come home and they're like, dad, let's fight. I'm like, <laughs> <"All right." laughs> let's fight, man. So, uh, they're pretty, they're definitely high energy. Um, and yeah, I think they'll, they'll be pretty good athletes as well. Maybe they'll be in the WWE like their uncle Rob. They, they they definitely have a chance for that, man. We just got this bounce house for his fourth birthday, and they're they're going at it already. Oh man, I I don't. I mean, I'm blown away by how in shape you still are with a wife and three kids. I don't know how you find the time for that. So, walk. What's what's the first hour of your day look like? Man, it used to be um, just go straight to the gym, but. Uh, it's definitely changed since then because of COVID. Um, it, we had a kid during COVID and we're being super cautious about it. So uh, I stopped going to the gym and I had to do at-home workouts, but you can't really work out in the pitch black at, at 5 a.m. <laughs> in the morning. So I had to switch it up a little bit. Um, and then I really started doing like the stuff with the kids as well because, man, when you're home all day, every day with them um, – and they're not going to school anymore. You got to find things to do with them, man. So I, I started doing my workouts with the kids and that's been fun as well. But um, yeah, my morning routine now at this point is you know, I'm waking up and I'm, I'm just crushing, um, you know, the, the most important things I got to do that day for work and then getting the kids up. And then I'll usually try to get a workout in with them once they're awake and try to get some energy out of them. How much do you think becoming a father has changed your life and changed your outlook on life? Uh, dude, it was huge. It's really what um, it, I think it's attributed to growing the business like crazy. Um, mm. kind of going back to um, you're trying to do everything myself. It forced me to slow down. It forced me to stop working, you know, eighty hours a week, and find other people that can you know handle the responsibility. And I had to build a, a team and, and processes, and uh, you know, really pull myself out of it. Which at the end of the day, if you want your company to be successful, you have to have those processes in place. So. Um, I attribute all that to, to having kids and that definitely pushed me that way. And then the pandemic pushed it even more. And, and then as we grew and grew, it just keeps pushing me even more and more into um, building out these processes and building out a really good team. Is the plan to just continue to scale Ice Shaker or are you at the point where you're like, I want to start another business? Man, no, I'm definitely not at that point. Um, no, definitely. I, I, I would want, I want to scale this. We have two businesses still. Um, yeah, sure. So it's a lot. Um, the game plan would probably be to scale one of them and and um, and keep the other is probably what we're we're looking at at this point. But uh, yeah, man, as the kids get older, I want to be able to do more with them. So um, if that means selling one of them, it might go down that path. But I don't know. I mean, if you build out a really good team and you have the right processes in place, you don't have to be there every day. You know, you could still run the show um, with, without having to necessarily 
be grinding uh, 80 hours a week anymore if you set it up the right way. So we're really trying to push to that and, and really have put really cool things and incentives in place where, you know, the responsibilities on the employees and they love it. You know, they love it. They love feeling like they have a, a big piece of the pie and they have control over what they're doing as well. And they can also grow and, and make it better and they can make a lot more money too now. So we just put different strategies in place and, and different procedures to make it work for everybody. And it's, it's been a game changer for us. At what point in your NFL career did you start thinking about life after the NFL? Oh man, on day one, man. <laughs> really? Yeah, for me, uh, I mean, I never thought there was a chance for me. So I always had a plan B. Um, you know, I was, I was, I had an accounting degree. I kind of, I tried to get the hardest degree I possibly could when I was in school. Because I just thought they would give me the opportunity to make the most money possible um, afterwards. So I didn't think the NFL was even an opportunity for me. Um, you know, once I had that chance, I went in all in on it. But you know, in the back of my mind, I always had a game plan to do, um, you know, something else afterwards. So. For me, it was doing players' taxes. I saw that opportunity my first year in the league. Realized, um, you know, guys had to file for the first time in, you know, seven, eight, nine different states sometimes. And realized really quickly that um, you pay a lot to have a CPA do your taxes for you. And you're going to do it because you don't know what you're doing. Um, so I was filing my own. At first, I actually, I paid for a CPA to do it. It was, you know, thousands of dollars for them to do it. And I realized really quickly that we get absolutely no deductions because we make too much money. Um, hmm. really nothing there. And there's really not that much work, but it sounds like a lot of work. So, um, you charge a lot for it, right. To file at each single state. So I saw this huge opportunity there. I, I knew I had this built in trust factor with the fact that I was in the league. Uh, you know, after my first year, I filed all my own taxes as well. I knew all the deductions you could take if there was any. And, um, you know, I, I saw an opportunity to go in there and just, you know, simply send out a, a flyer to every single player, um, about tax time and be like, Hey, you know, I'm a former player. I'd love to do it for you. I know all the deductions. I know how to file. Um, I did it while I was playing. Uh, I'd love to do this for you. And saw it as like this great business that I work like three to four months a year, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Like, this is amazing. And I probably easily pull in six figures doing it. Um, you know, you get 30, 40 guys on, on the roster and a couple thousand dollars a piece. Um, it would have been a pretty cool opportunity. So that was my plan B at the time. Um, you know, my wife comes in out of nowhere, starts her own business and we see this opportunity there and it just, it just took off. So, uh, just completely threw that out the window, uh, realized I would probably never want to be an accountant anyways. And I'm, I'm really happy. I didn't go down that path. So you played for Dallas, Indy, Denver, and San Diego, but you're saying you were doing the taxes for just anybody in the league. I wasn't, I wasn't doing anyone else's. I was doing my own. Um, I was helping other players if they asked, but so not till after you were retired. Yeah. So what, the game plan was once I retired to go back and, um, I was actually going to partner up or try to partner up with some of my former uh, classmates and they already had their CPA degree and, um, you know, they were already uh, certified public accountants. So I would have still had to go back. And at that point, because of summer school, I had enough credits. You have to have at least 150 credits to apply for it. So I had that because of summer school and I could, I, I would have just had to go back and, and apply and, and pass the test. You've got this amazing, like entrepreneurial mind, like even to be in the league thinking about this, I think it's, it's really impressive. Yeah, man. That's what, that's what happens when you just grind your whole life, man. You're always, um, you know, thinking of, of what's going to happen next. And, and that's what it was for me. It's just, I knew I wasn't going to last long. I got what I needed. I got way more than I needed. I got to three years, which was 
the benchmark. You get to three years, you get the retirement. If you don't get to three years, you don't. So if you got three credited seasons, uh, you, know, you got the 401k, you got the pension, you got everything, you got the health benefits, that all kicked into place. So uh, for me going in, I thought there was no chance. I got through my first year and I'm like, man, there's maybe a chance I get to three. If I can get to three, that's huge. Um, so I ended up getting to four. And each year after three, it just adds on as well. So um, it, it was a huge accomplishment for me. And I just knew it wouldn't last long. And I, I took that and I just rolled it into the next thing. I want to give you a completely hypothetical situation as we wrap things up here. So you're, it's, it's Thanksgiving Day, the family's there, and you are the captain of your football team. You're playing amongst the family. Who is your first pick? And it can be, you know, your dad's playing the game, anybody. Can be, who's your first pick? Man, I'm obviously going with a all pro uh, Hall of Famer here. <laughs> okay, that, that makes sense. <laughs> the future Hall of Famer. So who's after Rob, then, then who's the next pick? Man, uh, I mean, we definitely need a quarterback. And that was, you know, my brother, Dan, uh, was slinging back in high school. So uh, probably pick him up or your brother Gore could throw too, man. He just, he just never played. So he was a baseball player, so he could throw too. So I like that you started this by saying he was too scared to play football. Yeah, we, we make fun of him all the time. It, it's funny because he's like six, oh, he's almost six, seven now. Probably, you know, he's probably like 240 pounds now, but in high school, he's small. He was only like six two, maybe one seventy, and just uh, just wasn't wasn't gonna play football, man. So went out for a couple of days. My brother Dan threw him a pass. It hurt his hands, and he quit. So that's <laughs> day. man, I've loved this, Chris. Thank you so much. And uh, what's the best way that people can get in touch with you? Yeah, for sure. Check me out uh, and any of the social media platforms at Chris Krakowski, uh, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, um, on all of them. So. Check me out there and, and you can check out the product at iceshaker.com. And I end every interview. I'm a big gratitude guy. You probably sit behind me here. Be great, be grateful. I end every interview by asking, what are three things that you're grateful for in your life right now? Man, uh, well, I'll tell you one today for sure that you don't really think about as much uh, until it happens to you. But electricity, man, <laughs> right now in, in Texas is um, a lot of people here have been out of power for three days now. Wow. You know, they're waking up, their house is 38 degrees, um, their pools are freezing over and uh, it's just, it's brutal, man. Um, you know, with three kids, I, I don't know what we would do if we didn't have power. So uh, definitely, definitely grateful for power today. Um, yeah. You know, family, it, for sure. Um, yeah, my kids, my wife, super grateful for both, uh, especially the wife with three kids, man. It, it's, it, it's a lot. So it's been... Um, definitely been a grind with, with 2020 and everything that's gone on. So super grateful for that. And, and just, uh, and family in general, man, um, with her family as well. My family just helping out with the kids and all that. So I'll, I'll go with the wife and family for the second too. All right. There we go. Thank you so much, man. This has been such an honor and such a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, how about that? Big, big thanks. To my fellow Chris, Chris Gronkowski, for the great conversation. And thank you to you for being with us on this one. I'm sure you you learned a thing or 10 there. And Chris, by the way, is a fantastic follow on Instagram. Fans are always asking him questions about his time playing in the NFL. And he does these short videos where he kind of like takes you behind the scenes and lets you know the details of like, contracts and practices and fines and all kinds of other stuff. So he's at Chris Gronkowski. There's some great insight on there. Huh? Now see what I did there? Some great insight? 
Speaking of insight, check right now to make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss out on any future episodes. To quote Jack Dixon, if you focus on results, you will never change. If you focus on change, you will get results. Be great. Be grateful, my friends. We'll see you on the next one for some more insight. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.